it's time to get in touch with your northern roots. Welcome to a space where I shine the spotlight on Canadian artists that are actively honing their craft, both at home and abroad. My name is Chichi Anua. Let's begin. Welcome back to your listeners. Here is my quarantine conversation with John D. Houston. Let's dive right in. And remember that this conversation is being held over Zoom because it's 2020 and everyone is talking through Zoom. So, uh, John, please introduce yourself and say hey. Sure. Uh, I'm John Houston. I'm an actor usually living in Toronto. Right now, in these peculiar times, I'm in Winnipeg. Um, yeah, uh, I'm, 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 an, I'm an Aboriginal actor, uh, Métis descent from, uh, from the Red River. So actually, Winnipeg is, you know, spiritually and, and I guess, ge- genetically my home. Um, I specialize in solo shows, usually uh, usually my own adaptations from novels, short stories, and poems, um, generally from the 19th century or earlier. Um, what else? That's pretty pretty much it. And I guess and I've been a professional actor for uh, oh, 30 years. I just wanted to like start off with the question that I think is floating on everyone's mind. Um, how has COVID-19 affected you as an artist? Because, you know, the country basically wanted to shut down in early March, and uh, I feel that theater will be one of the last uh, businesses to come back. So, yeah, how has that affected you? Well, it's, it's, it's funny. I was going to do uh, a reading of a new play that I commissioned on the 15th of March. And as you know, of course, everything shut down on Friday the 13th. <laughs> Uh, My playwright and I decided we would go ahead with the reading. We initially cancelled it and then thought, you know what, a couple of people contacted us and said, really, can you not do it? And we thought, oh, what the heck. So we did it for like, I think, five people in a huge room. Um, and uh, and just it was it was just just a very simple reading. We didn't charge. We just said let's let's just do this anyway. I think that was probably the last piece of live theater. Oh no, that's not true. Hamilton was still running then. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think this was down a couple of weeks after. But that was that was that was pretty much it. Um, normally over the summer, I would be in Winnipeg and Edmonton doing fringe festivals. I've done those now for well, I'm the longest Canadian touring fringe performer I've been um, what? yeah th- uh, my first fringe first fringe I did was 1990 and I've been on every year for the last 30 years oh, so yes yeah, yeah. I mean I, I know people who were on the circuit before me but none of them are doing it anymore or they come on intermittently um, so I so and, and that, those are important festivals for me now as part of my income I mean I've been doing it long enough I have a bit of a following I love I love doing it um, I didn't I didn't get to theater school um, I'm an academic theater academic. I have a master's in theater history from U of T and a BA from York. But um, so, so the fringe was really, for me, was really important in terms of not just will this work in front of an audience and how do I make this better, but also what else is going on out there in, in the world. And, um, you know, Edmonton and Winnipeg in particular. Um, were the places where you could meet and see and work with performers from all over the world. Um, t- t- Toronto in the early days got this idea in their head that, oh, it can only be an hour long. And so that, for many years, cut out a lot of the international performers who were bringing over full-length shows 
which they would perform without an intermission. But that would be like 75 minutes and 90 minutes sometimes. I have seen two, in the old days, I've seen two-hour productions on the fringe. And people would pay and go and see them. That's, that's changed now. Fringe, fringe audiences, they want 60 minutes, get in, get out, bada-bing, bada-boom. Um, but in the old days, you, you could see two-hour-long shows. But, of course, they couldn't do those in Toronto. So for years, the, the, there were very few international performers in Toronto. And, and it was really too bad. I think the Toronto Fringe and Toronto Fringe audiences were kind of deprived as a result. It wasn't until, I think, the mid to late 90s uh, that they began kind of loosening up a little bit in terms of saying, okay, we can have 90 minutes now. You know, we can have something longer than an hour. Uh, but anyway, but, but in those days, you, you, you did, Winnipeg, you did Ed, Winnipeg, Edmonton, and Vancouver, and that was where you would meet, like, Japanese performers and South African performers and British and French and... Um, Russians. We used to have these. Uh, a few years, we had a Russian company coming over in like the early '90s, and they were doing things like Animal Farm and, uh, and wonderful productions in, in English. Um, you know, because they would write them in Russian for them, and then they would they would then re-rehearse them in English and bring them over here. Great stuff. And th- that that was a that was a wonderful education for me. Um, to me, being able to, you know to, to see that. Anyway, um, no, that's it's really cool. (laughs) My side question would be: um, Do you find, yeah, do you find that the uh, the French festival has been um, a great addition to your lifelong learning in theater? Absolutely, absolutely. As I say, that really was my theater school, and um, once I got to the point where. You know, if, if you do the French, you know, you go and you promote your show, you go and you fly or you talk to people. And after I've been doing it for a while, and, and because I started back when the Fringes were much, much smaller than they are now, um, it became less necessary for me to do that, which meant I could spend more time in in the venues watching other, other people's shows. And for me personally, that was really, really essential. Um, I like nothing better, particularly if I can, if I get the chance to see someone doing a show I've done, or no, like okay. because um, most of the time it's, oh, that's an interesting approach, or, or, or if it's something I'm considering doing, or it's similar, it's like, oh, that's a, that's how you can handle, that's a way to handle it. Oh, okay. And very rarely it's, oh my God, are you kidding me? Um, for years, I have been playing with the idea of doing C.S. Lewis's The Screwtape Letters as a, as a one-person show. I mean, I read it when I was 15, even before I thought of doing theater, and, and just thought, this is really interesting. And I reread it over the years, and I kept thinking, you know, there's a play in here, but I, I just I can't find my way into it. And then some friends of mine saw a production on Broadway and said, hey, we saw this. We thought Sean should do this. And they and I found a clip of this performance and I watched it. It was about it was like a three minute clip. And I watched it and I thought, oh my god, that's just that's so wrong. Oh, wrong. Okay. That's not the that's not the um you know emotion that I thought you were gonna say. Continue. <laughs> and, and and I thought, well hang on now. Why would you to say it's wrong? This guy's ha- this guy has a huge success with this. Well, why is it wrong? Oh, it's wrong for me. Now I know all I have to do my version, and that and it just and it and it opened up and literally within 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 thirty seconds of seeing that and having the process of that's wrong, no 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 it's not wrong it's right for him it's wrong for me, and suddenly my 
version of it just went and I then spent six months doing the adaptation and, and, fuss, and fussing with it and normally when I do an adaptation I try to preserve the author's voice if I'm going to do Dickens, if I'm going to do Jerome K. Jerome, whoever it is I, I want to preserve as much of the original text as I possibly can well, still, obviously, making it, you know, recognizing this isn't a book now, it's a piece of theater. Yes. <laughs> um, with the C.S. Lewis, I rewrote probably 75% of the text. I kept his initial, I kept his ideas and his arguments, but he was writing for a reader in, ninth, in World War II era Britain. He was using analogies and metaphors that would make no sense to a North American and certainly no North American under the age of 70. So right. I, 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 just the idea of letters, I thought, well, that's kind of quaint. So I, so I said, okay, it's, uh, I should explain, Screwtape Letters is a series of letters from a senior tempter, Screwtape, to his not too bright nephew, Wormwood, on how to damn the human soul. Wormwood is, is a junior tempter. He's been assigned a human being, a patient, and his job is to get this guy to sin and eventually wind up in hell. Where, where, and, and we discover in the course of these letters that what the devils do is they eat people. And, and, and the more spectacular your sins, the tastier you are. Cool. So yeah, you're trying to encourage people to sin really big. And, um, and I thought, okay, that idea is great. And, and Lewis's arguments about like, what is, what is sin? What may, you know, how do you get someone on that slippery, gradual slope, right? Mm -hmm. Those are terrific, but his, his examples no longer are relevant for us. So I need to find 21st century examples, and I need to find a language that works. And so I talked, it, whereas, where Lewis talked about philology, I use the word marketing. Where Lewis talks about planting an image, I talk about uploading. And, and it all became computers. And, and my screw tape wore, wore glasses that were Google glasses. And he would do this, and he'd be talking to Wormwood. And then he'd be talking to his secretary. And, and so, yeah, because of course hell has all the toys, right? Exactly, yeah. No, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. And Lewis, in the book, describes hell as this, as this corporation where everyone is very polite, everyone is nicely dressed, no one raises their voices but what they're doing is really nasty. And of course, you will stab your coworker in the back at the first opportunity. So, so that was easy. I didn't have to change any of that. Um, yeah, it was, and it was, it was really interesting. Um, and the biggest compliment I got was from my director. I, I, I um, was lucky enough to find, uh, was a friend of mine. He was an actor in the West End and then became an Anglican clergyman. So he had the background both in theater and in theology. About, and when we were a couple of weeks into rehearsal, he said, um, you know, I know the computer references aren't Lewis, obviously, he says, but otherwise, I don't know where your script begins and Lewis's end, Lewis's writings end. I thought, good, that's what I want. <laughs> yeah, and that, that, that was, that was, that, that was the most, for me, as an adapter, the most satisfying experience, because the most, most of me was in that, um, more of me was in that adaptation than anything else. And I will only do the I will only do that work in churches or places of worship, because otherwise it's just a play. Lewis describes Screwtape Letters as a series of anti-sermons, and I thought, okay, if it's an anti-sermon, then to be really to have the shock value that it needs, it has to be done in a church. And curiously, 
people who are believers, they know C.S. Lewis. They come, they, they see this character, this devil, talking about, you know, how to damn the human soul, and they go, yep, yep, yep. Yep. <laughs> who, are a, who are atheists come and go, they let you say that in church? I go, yeah, it's C.S. Lewis. Oh my God, but like, you're saying this stuff in a church. Like, yeah, that's kind of the point, and I'm glad yep. you're talking about it. And it's cute that you're the atheist. <laughs> Whereas the Christians are going, yep, yep, They're yep, like, excellent, more, excellent. More, more and more, we want this. Yeah. Oh man, I, I wish I could have seen that because um, as a as a Catholic myself, it's like I, I'm exactly that person where it's like, yeah, you know, I, I I believe I have this belief, but also like, yeah, I would love to see more of this. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah no, it's it's really cool. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping to do it at the Toronto Fringe whenever that starts up again. Um, of course, because I have to do it in the church, it's it's a BYOB. The, the trick is finding a church, a bring your own venue. Uh, oh, yeah, my brain just like... No, it's okay. Yeah, actually, nice probably for our listeners as well. Um, most, not all, but many festivals now allow you if you have a piece like Screwtape Letters there where, no, this isn't meant for theater, it's meant for a special place, a, 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 a particular type of place, uh, then the fringes, if you can justify why, they will let you find a place, they'll put you in, in the fringe program and you'll be like, and they'll, you know, they'll provide you with all the stuff that a regular venue would get, ticket sellers, volunteers, mm -hmm. ushers, all that stuff. Um, in Toronto, quite sensibly, they have a kind of geographic area which is saying, okay, your BYOB has to be within this particular area. You know, we, we don't want you way the heck out in Scarborough, way the heck up in North York. We want you downtown. Right. The truth is finding a church, not a church that's available or that wants to do it. That's the easy bit. The, the, the tricky bit is finding a place where the acoustics are such that this quite word dense text won't get lost in the big echoey chamber of so many churches. Um, I have a church I performed it in but it's not accessible. And the other thing that the, fringe, the Toronto Fringe asks for, and quite rightly, I might add, is that you bring your own venue be fully accessible. Be wheelchair accessible, washrooms are accessible. Quite right. Yeah. Um, but that's the other tricky bit. Most churches, frankly, can't afford to do that now. Um, so it's, it's a matter of finding a place that's got all those things and is in, and is in the downtown corner. So. Yeah. Yeah, but because I, I really do want to bring it to the Toronto Fringe, I think it would be. Um, I, I've had I've had success with other places, and it's also just a fun text to do. Um, the like, as you probably know, most most fringe plays, and and I always think of the fringe as being like like rep, uh, the old touring days of rep in the Elizabethan period, where you don't really know where you're going to be. You're going to be there for a night doing your play. You're going to be in an inn yard, maybe. Maybe you're going to be outdoors in a meadow. So there's not going to be much of a set. Your your big, splashy, eye-catching thing is going to be what you're wearing, right? And the right. actors in Shakespeare's play have these beautiful costumes. This is why you know the Tempest by Shakespeare, of course. Yes. And yeah, and you remember when they're on the island and Gonzago goes up to the king and says, "You know, have you noticed? Like, we were in a shipwreck, and our clothing is perfect. Not it's not just perfectly dry." It's actually cleaner and neater than when we put it on. Yeah. And, you know, and this is, of course, is because, you know, the Elizabethan costumes, the, the, the court costumes were generally donated by noble people. So they were very expensive. They actually couldn't get them soaking wet. 
And um, and so they had to explain, well, okay, wait a minute, we've just been told these guys are in a shipwreck and they all swam to shore, so what's going on? Oh, it's magic. Woo, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the practical reason is, okay, the costumes have, have to stay nice, so write us in a line or two, would you? Okay, <laughs> we'll do. And there are, in fact, numerous references in the play to the fact that, oh, yes, they, they got to shore fine. Uh, Ariel says, I think in scene two, you know, not a blemish on their garments, but fresher than before. And, yes. and then to reinforce up the play. Um, so with, with, same with Fringe. If, you're, if most Fringe plays, there will be very few scenic elements because you have 15 minutes to set up and 15 minutes to get it off. So what's going to look nice, you've got to have nice costumes. And and you can have nice hand props if those are required, you know. But but you've got to be small things that the actors can take on and off with them and can be stored in next to no space. Well. Yeah. yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, right? Shifting gears for a second. Um, what, in, in your time during this quarantine, I know that a lot of uh, artists, especially artists, we are looking for ways to stay creative and we are you know, learning new things. So have you like picked up any new skills um, or like, have you just discovered that you like really like something that you didn't know that you liked before? Please share. Oh, sure. Well, um, the, uh, when I realized I wasn't gonna be able to do anything this summer and when, you know, the government came up with, with survey, I thought, okay, I, I, I need to do something to, you know, I've got all this time. Uh, so what can I do? What would be, what would be an interesting thing? I thought, ah, I could I could pick up an instrument. I could learn an instrument. So um, before the whole thing, before this whole thing started, the, the COVID started, I commissioned a play about two characters who break a quarantine, and it's it's a comedy about breaking quarantine and what happens. And um, <clears throat> I was was one night about three in the morning, I was, and uh, the, you know the the, the the script got delivered in February, so just again just before COVID. Mm -hmm. And we had some reading, and it was kind of fun, blah, blah, blah. And then I thought, it needs to be a musical. Yes. And that means I need to have an instrument. What? I don't know if you know Penny Ashton from New Zealand, but she has done um, uh, Sense and Sensuality, sorry, Promise and Promiscuity, which is a, a Jane Austen one woman musical. And she's doing a sort of a parody of Jane Austen. And she plays ukulele. And I thought, I did ukulele once when I did a school tour back in 2008. That's what I'll do. So I, so I, I, this lovely ukulele belt. Oh, I love it! Yeah, it's so nice. Up there. Yeah, this, all this, this, this is just—it's just this. There's this beautiful little detailing around it, and and it's also just—it's also just a, a gorgeous little instrument. Oh, it's so like it's so picky. Yeah. I can remember this. Anybody? Does anybody see? Um, Love anyway. it. <laughs> anyway, I, of course, I know any songs well enough to actually play them for you right now. Uh, that, that is by memory. But um, that's, that's totally fine. That little bit right there. Love it. <laughs> but I've been, been practicing for about an you know, hour, hour and a half a day uh, with this, and there's lots of stuff online tutorials and music and everything else. And that's what I've picked up during 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 the course of this. And I'm learning the, um, the, the show uh, is set in the 20s. So I'm learning music from the 20s. And of course, that was one of the Hades for the ukulele. So there's all kinds of stuff for the ukulele. And I've learned a couple of, of, of naughty 20s songs as well. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, really fun for the audience. Um, and the playwright and I were talking, and I said, you know, if I've got extra songs, we'll just we'll just put them at the top of the show as people are coming in. I'll just I'll just play, 
and and have fun with it. And it's it's been great. And and I have um, quite nasty arthritis in these fingers. So it's been it's been useful for me because it's been keeping my fingers, I think, more limber. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Building up those muscles. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And just and just learning to stretch and stuff. And frankly, it's kept me from going just bonkers. I mean, I'm doing a lot of reading. <laughs> Uh, as, as well, um, I've, 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 uh, one of the other shows I have commissioned is about uh, a, a, a man in uh, the Elizabethan theater who's playing the female roles in Shakespeare's plays, because that's, that's always interesting. Me. I, that's always been a, a, a fascinating that's fascinated me. So I've, um, there's not a lot written on it, but there's some, and I've been, I've been, you know, tracking down books online and bringing them in and reading those. And uh, so when this finally ends and I can start doing the theater again, I'll have, I'll have three scripts new script ready to go um yeah yeah the, the, the next step is of course is you know i guess starting, starting to i won't start that till when we know for sure when things are going to happen but yeah but it's it, it's been exciting um and and quite coincidental like all of these plays were conceived and commissioned before COVID began um but you know as i say the, the plus thing is when this is done i will i will be ready to go and yeah, well, and, and solo shows, I think, might be easier to sell now to a theater because, yeah. you know, it's going to be, well, no social distancing required on stage. And let's face it, I think most theaters are going to be hurting. And if they can hire one actor, it will probably be easier for them than hiring five actors. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with you there with the uh, the solo shows and the, uh, the two-handers. I think the yeah. smaller uh, cast will be more favorable for the next little bit. Yeah. yeah. Yes, okay, so uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about um, your experience with uh, the Twelfth Night production that oh, we did together. That was so, yes. wasn't that wonderful. It but, was lovely. But, yeah, it was my, my second my second role with them, with TSMGO, and, uh, and I'm sure you're doing the same. I'm just applying for everything now. That every time they bring yes. up a character, it's like, yep, I'm in, yep, I'm in. <laughs> um, First off, because it's it's nice to have some theater to do. Second, because um, getting to work on Shakespeare with that kind of timeline is is, is almost unknown. Um, you know, we have like okay, we have three days to put this together, and it's going to be accepted that most of us will be will be reading our our parts on screen, unless it's a very small part, in which case you can probably get it by heart. Or, or you know, or if you're lucky enough to have been given a role that you've done in the past, it was like, oh yeah, great, I know most of this. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, I, it, it's for me the really great thing is first off, learning to do theater in the medium of Zoom mm-hmm. doesn't seem like a natural fit, but it turns out if you have people running things who know what they're doing and 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 you've got actors to work with who are saying let's try this let's try that you can make it make it work um their hamlet is is a terrific hamlet the the the, the first time i i have to confess i i like shakespeare i've never liked hamlet i've always found it very overrated uh, i would much rather watch winter's tale or richard iii or Tempest, or pretty much anything by Shakespeare, rather than sit through yet another fucking Hamlet. Like, dude, make up your mind, you know, please. Um, and that, that Hamlet, that, the, the, well, n- not just the young woman playing Hamlet, but the whole cast, ah, 
mm-hmm. now I get the appeal of this. Yeah. I mean, I've always thought, oh yeah, the great moments in Hamlet, and there's some terrific writing, but the whole overall project, nope, doesn't work for me. I recognize that's a failing. I don't care. I don't like it. Finally, that production. Oh, great. I actually cared what happened to Hamlet. I actually yes. cared what happened to most of the others. And again, a very strong cast. Absolutely. I I just, I find that the entire, uh, yeah, the entire cast just blew me away. And I, I thought, wow, like all of these all-stars, like in one production, like it almost didn't feel fair. Yeah, yeah. And and, and again, apart from Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, no one in the same building. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And, and, and and again, talking about the medium and how will they have to adapt to the medium. Like, uh, are, you know, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, as an example, you know, running around their home, you know, uh, with, with with the lights on their phones when they when you know when they're trying to find Hamlet in the dark and the, the opening in darkness only lit by phones, the creepiness of that. Um, did you see the Midsummer Night's Dream? Uh, I did. Yes, I did. Yeah, and and Rob's use of okay, how are we going to do bottom? Well, let's do it with with the Snapchat filter. Yep, <laughs> and and it would only work in the medium of Zoom. And it was terrific. And, you know, unlike, for example, a mask, the Snapchat filter, the mouth moved, the eyes moved, you could turn it. It was terrific. And, and again, a great tribute to, we're doing this in Zoom. Let's not pretend we're doing it anywhere else. Let's acknowledge that both the limitations and the freedoms that this medium yes. offered us. That was, that, that was, I was hooked at that point. <laughs> yeah, and I, I just, I love how, um, Rob Miles, uh, the creator of TSFGO, he like he's also the director of these productions, and I, I love how he's fully embraced the uh, the technical side of this production, and like he's fully making himself, the cast, and the audience aware that you know we're putting this up in three days. Like there will be technical difficulties. Like just bear with us and um, enjoy the show. So I. Yes, we, he, 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 he and Sarah are just an, an astonishing couple. Mm-hmm. I would love to see something Rob does. Like, I'd love to see a play that Rob's directed in sort of like a, a regular theater now. Um, I, you know, I go over to Britain, or I used to go over <laughs> regularly. Um, but I, I have to admit, the last few times I've seldom been out of London, I was because I, I was working there. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I, must, I, must, I was supposed to go to Scotland, actually, in June. Uh, oh. uh, yeah, yeah, I was going to attend a conference. It was my birthday, right? So I thought, oh, I'm going to go over, see a couple of shows. It was uh, Gilbert and Sullivan. Um, yeah, Utopia Limited and the, and the Gondoliers by Scottish National Opera. And, you know, no one does Utopia Limited. It's, 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 like, it's like the Troilus and Cressida of, you know, Gilbert and Sullivan. Uh, and I thought, great, there's going to be a conference, and I was going to see some old friends I haven't seen in decades who lived there. Now I have another reason to go to Scotland, and that is to see Rob and Sarah do something. That is true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel um, like I need to make a trip as well just to like meet everyone because um, yeah. I feel like once you perf- like having been a part of this uh, this cast, like once you perform to these people, it just feels um, natural to want to meet them in person and be like, oh my gosh, like you remember when we did that show and like, ah, oh, it's just I want to like have that energy that we created online in person. Yes, yes, yes. exactly. I was talking with um, oh, our um, our uh, viola. Uh, oh, comfort! Yes, yes. And um, we were chatting oh. about the about the Globe Theater, and she'd actually had a chance to do uh, some scenes on the Globe as part of her school. 
Like, like, yeah, yeah. And uh, and she and I have actually seen the same production. We've been at not the same day, probably, but we don't. They, they did a production of Titus and Jonix there in 2006. I was doing a play in um, Greenwich at the time, and um, it was it was it, it, it was the best. And I, I, I see I've seen a few productions of Titus, and this was far and away the best because they 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 got the this is a black comedy. And yes, and yes, you're supposed to feel horror, and yes, you're supposed to feel sympathy, but you're also supposed to laugh. Okay, and, okay. And they got that, and we both remembered a moment when, do you know the play, Titus Andronicus? Yes, yes, oh, I do. Yeah. Remember when uh, Titus is told, hey, your sons have been arrested for treason, but we'll spare their lives if you cut off your right hand. And, yes. And as a peace offering. And so he does this, of course, on stage. And, you know, and, he, and of course he does this, which begins, he heads up stage, with his back to us, takes a sword, we hear the chopping, the crunching sound. He screams, he turns around, and something wet hits us in those of us grounding, and we go, oh, and, then we look from, and of course, it's water, like, like there's nothing, yeah. it's, it's warm. And we look up, and the actually going, Yes. You know, but, but of course that's what they must have done the original production, right? But it's it's this it's this you're playing this joke with the audience. It's like, yeah, it's a play, but we got you. Like you bought into it to believe that it was blood, and then you is no, it's just what? Oh, that was funny. That was funny, and and yet it's still horrifying because he's just chopped off his hand. And as we've already been told, to no avail. Aaron the Moor has already told us that the sons have already been beheaded. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. That was a wonderful production. And, and five pounds at the Globe. It's the cheapest. It's the cheapest theater ticket in London um, that you're ever going to have. All you have to do is stand for three hours. But it's totally worth it. Absolutely, it's totally worth it. And by the way, the food at the Globe, like the restaurant and the cafeteria, stop there for a meal beforehand. Great food. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't been to the Globe since they've done the indoor. They have an indoor theater, the Black Friars. Um, so you can go and see, you know, like what would the, what would the indoor Shakespeare's? Because we know we wrote for indoor. What would that have been like? And uh, that's the next thing I want to check out when I get when I go to London next time is is see some of the indoor stuff that they're doing. But it's, it's a fabulous company. Some of their stuff was online, available during the uh, you know like during the pandemic. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Were you able to catch any of their productions? Yes, I saw their Hamlet. It was okay. They're they're two noble kings, but fantastic. Oh, I missed that one. Yeah, it was just... They, they brought in, after Mark Roylands, the original AD left, they brought in a young woman who was from a, a really kind of out there company based in Cornwall, I think. And um, and she and, and she brought some of the people she'd worked with, including this uh, little person, I don't know her name, but a wonderful actress, who played, if you know Two Noble Kinsmen, there's the sheriff's daughter who falls in love with one of the guys one of the prisoners and goes mad as a result um and she was oh i don't know maybe four foot tall and just like this incredible ball of theatrical energy and apparently every night that she was doing that role she was also doing one of the one of the fairies in, in midsummer Night's dream and as and in and in this role in the fairies would throw herself off the stage into the audience every performance and every perform with no warning every performance people caught her like they were, oh, you know, like like she did the monster thing, and you think, okay, that's ballsy. Like it's just like, here I come, audience. I'm just gonna trust you're gonna be there for me. That by this point, we have that kind of a relationship where you're gonna catch me and not gonna go like this. 
And... I mean, yeah, no, that's that's awesome. I just, I, I, I wonder, like, if stuff like that will ever be done again, just because of like the effects yeah. of this pandemic. But like, that, I, I'm so, ah, oh, I'm so angry. I miss that. That's so cool. <laughs> well, you know, we survived. The, live theater survived the Black Death. It survived. Um, it, it survived the plagues, like 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 the Great Plague of 1666, and also survived numerous other little plagues, as you know. In fact, Shakespeare's supposed to have written. What's the play he supposedly wrote during? Was it Twelfth Night? One of them he wrote during the plague. I think so it was like goes. Twelfth Night or King Lear or something. One yeah. of those. No, two. I think I think it was Lear. I think you're right. I think it was Lear. And uh, you think, okay, like we'll survive um, somehow. This 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 is going to happen. There may be some really nasty bumps along the way, but somehow we're, we're going to survive. Have you read the book um, Station Eleven? It's a Canadian. It's a post. It's a it's a post plague apocalyptic novel, uh, and the plague starts. It, it's called the Russian Plague, but the story it's written by me opens in Toronto at a performance of I think it's of King Lear, and and the lead actor dying on stage, and and the plague actually he actually has died of the plague, and 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 it starts in it, 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 it's our principal narrative is in Toronto, and we we. We then jump ahead several years to its post-plague. Society has pretty much collapsed. There are sort of like like small settlements, but but nations have have ceased to function, and you just have these sort of small tribes. And there's this company of player musicians who travel around, and their motto is just survival isn't enough. And they do Shakespeare, and everyone in the company can also play an instrument. So they also do like Beethoven symphonies and Mozart. Pieces, yeah, to try and keep <laughs> civilization alive, Western mm-hmm. civilization alive, and 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 it's and they're traveling through. I think it's what is now the state of like Michigan, right? And um, anyway, it's called Station Eleven. Terrific, yeah. And I'm happy to see it's been apparently assigned to some high schools. Um, oh, very or, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It's like hey, it's Canadian, and and it's about the value yeah. of art. Yes, yes, oh, sure, it's clean. They're like they're the amount of changes that they're making right now to like um, Canadian uh, to the, uh, Canadian schoolings. I'm like, wow, where was this when I was in high school? Like that would have been. I would have loved to have read Station Eleven because it's like for me, it's like the right mixture of um, uh, yeah, post-apocalyptic uh, creepiness, but also uh, theater. So like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and it's and it's Canadian, which is which is so cool. Oh. Yeah. Yes, whenever I hear Canadian, I'm just like, yep, my ears kind of like perk up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What what Shakespeare's did you study in? Because for us, it was Midsummer Night's Dream, Julius Caesar, Hamlet, and Macbeth. Although some classes took uh, um, instead of Twelfth Night, they took Hamlet. Instead of Macbeth, they did. Uh, oh, forget now. Anyway, one of the other. One of the, a, a different play. Othello. Instead of Macbeth, it was Othello. Um, and I know, but I know in Ontario, in grade 10, they used to do Merchant of Venice. Oh, yeah, yes. We did Merchant of Venice. Um, we did yeah. Romeo and Juliet. Yes. And uh, there is... Mm, I'm trying to think of the other ones that we did, but uh, yeah, I definitely remember doing Merchant of Venice. Right. Huh. Because <laughs> one of the solo shows I do is written by a Canadian. It's called Shylock. And it's about a Jewish actor playing Shylock in Merchant of Venice, and he, the actor, believes that Shylock's the villain. Like, that's, like, 
given when this was written and given what the character says, he's the villain. He's not, this isn't the tragedy of Shylock the Jew. This is the comedy of the Merchant of Venice and, and about how this nasty Jewish character gets, you know, done in by the other characters. And it does not go well for him. Um, the production he's in is, 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 is shut down. There's protests. People come into the theater and boo him and shout things at him while he's performing. And, and so the play Shylock is the actor coming out for the talkback session after the, after the final performance. It's full oh, costume yeah. makeup, okay. and, and and talking to the audience about it, and and he's in full costume makeup, and gradually taking off the false nose and the wig, and stripping down to where he's finally just basically in 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 like a like a long t-shirt and his underwear, mm -hmm. um, as he strips the character down, and and talks about uh, talks about this, and um, it's lovely because uh, Mark, the playwright, has has left it up to you to decide who's right. He, 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 you know, he doesn't hold with censorship, but he understands why people have a Mark's Jewish himself, why people have a problem with it. And at the same time, it's like, yeah, but don't we need this? Don't, don't we need art to remind us of these unpleasant truths? Yeah. And yes. We talk about the fact that, look, anti-Semitism exists still, especially now, still mine. Um, and 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 don't we need this to remind us that look, this hasn't gone away. Um, these there are still people who hold these views. Let's get them up in the daylight, and mm -hmm. we look at them and shine the light of day upon them, and so that when we hope they'll shrivel away. Um, so it's 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 a wonderful play. It's also very funny, which I which I quite like uh, because you know you gotta have people people have to laugh. Yeah, especially like with like um, heavy topics like anti-Semitism. It's like you know. I think in order for people to like really get the point, they have to also be like, oh, you know, I'm having a good time right now, so I can soak in what you're telling me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think thinking about it's okay, here's some medicine, and here's the sugar. There it is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> think about this, and here's a lot to help you digest. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, yeah. I, I, I like once in, in Toronto. Um, it's, it's, I, I did it as a, as a staged reading at, at the Red Sand Castle. Um, but and I hope to bring it back and do that again. I mostly have done it out west. Um, in fact, I just did that in Winnipeg. The last the last work I had uh, was January here at uh, there was a Shakespeare festival in Winnipeg, and it was Shakespeare and sort of and related works. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to bring Shylock out and, nice. and do that. Sadly, no one was doing much. I've always wanted to do, and it has been done, the play's been done, but not with me. Shylock, the play's been done as an adjunct to a production of Merchant of Venice. Oh, so, cool. So, like, would yeah. they, would those two productions run, um, like, simultaneously, or, like, would it be, like, one night Merchant of Venice, the next night Shylock? It would be like that, yeah. And, and ideally, you run it on the set of Merchant of Venice, and ideally, ideally, mm. with the actor who played Shylock playing John Davies, the actor who's playing Shylock and Shylock. But, yeah, what's really funny is, is that every time that's happened, people watching Shylock, the play, a play for which they bought a ticket called Shylock, a play by Mark Laren Young, in which the actor says, well, of course, the production's been cancelled, blah, blah, have then gone to the box and said, oh, yeah, look, we bought tickets from Richard Devens, can we get our money back? We no, 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 no. No, that no, no. Yeah, and, and Mark says every single time, in fact, to the point where when they did it in the States, it was done at a Shakespeare festival in, I think, San Diego, and Mark warned them, he said, look, just so you know, you're going to have people saying, 
I have tickets for Merchant Events. Can I get my money back? And they said, we think our audiences are a little more sophisticated than maybe the ones in Vancouver. I mean, <laughs> yeah. first night, first night, right? Mark's in the, Mark the playwright is in the audience. The artistic director of the festival is in the audience. The guy playing John Davies, as Charlotte comes on stage, starts doing this. And then he turns on line and plays, you can boo if you like. And this guy stands up and goes, boo! And, oh no. and says, excuse me, he says, that is not how I saw you do this role last night. The artistic director is going, okay, we've got to call security. Mark's going, no, 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 just, just let it play out. The actor just proceeds to talk the guy down with the lines in the script. And the guy goes, oh, okay, sits down. And Mark says, now will you tell your box office to <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It's been, it's, yeah. I, I, I want to, I'd love to do that. I'd love to do it with, with production merchant of Venice to see if, have that experience. Um, I have had people boo when I've asked them to boo. Um, and, and the really interesting thing, though, doing this play is people coming up to me on the street afterwards. Sometimes, like, I remember one person who would see me a year earlier at the Fringe come to me the next year and say, you're the guy that did Shylock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. We're still talking about that play. We still don't know who's right. And I said, that's good. I, I did my job. Yeah, like you didn't give them an answer. You just gave them the points. Yeah, exactly. Because, like, the most... The worst thing as an actor, right, is yeah. someone to say, you know, what'd you think of it? Eh. It's like, like... Yeah, like, it's okay to hate it. Mm-hmm. That's a reaction. It's okay to love it. I prefer that. It's even better to throw money or, you know, underwear. But I want to see... Like, I want to know, if I did my job properly, I should have moved you to some yes. kind of reaction. Art should do that. If art makes you go, eh then it's failed it's just you know it's it's pretty it looks really pretty <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah how do you learn all those lines oh god really i failed you shouldn't be thinking about that you should be thinking about yes or uh, or something i thought about that god, that's the best <laughs> yeah that's your quote yeah. from shylock make them laugh make them cry get them angry make them think something like just yeah. make them think something yeah yeah to kind of like round out our, our conversation and to get not only us thinking, but um, uh, the listeners thinking, with everything that's going on right now, just with the whole world and how everything is just shaking out to be a weird, weird year, uh, is there any advice that you would give to um, both emerging and established Canadian artists right now while we are, uh, while, we're, while we're at home, while we have this time to take a second and breathe what, what would your advice be whatever your ukulele is find it and play it you know? <laughs> yeah like 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 find something if it's if it's this whatever it is and 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 and, and, and give yourself you know take the time and, and, and devote yourself to that because we have right now many of us have the luxury and we have to see it as the luxury not the punishment Mm. Um, the, the other thing I've been working on, although I've been starting that quite a while ago, is, is learning a new accent. It's Shakespeare's original pronunciation, OP. Uh, the, 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 the captain, the sea captain, I did in Twelfth Night. That yes. Was, that was mostly an OP. It was I, I, I fudged a little, but that was mostly in the original accent. Just find something that engages you, makes you passionate, but also something that you know you're going to be able to carry off, carry over. Once this is done, 
Maybe it's singing lessons. Maybe it's just learning a role that I know I've always wanted to do this role. So I'm going to sit down and I'm going to learn it. Um, maybe it's if you're one of those, if you're an actor like me who self-produces, maybe it's, you know what? I don't really know how lighting works. Like, I mean, I know about, I have to be visible, but there's all kinds of stuff you can do with lighting effects that I don't know about. So maybe I, it's time to learn that, uh, or, or at least get a start on it. Um, find something that interests you. As I say, your ukulele and, 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 and go with it. Because that means at the end of this, you'll emerge with a new skill or a new set of knowledge and something you didn't have before. Um, and it will also keep you hopeful. Yes. Uh, oh, that is so. I, I I love that you said that because um, for like for me personally right now, like as I like um as I try to figure out my ukulele moment and like figure out like what is something that I can work on that's both for me and you know um to uh, advance me once we get through this uh, through this moment in time. So I love that you have that you brought up the whole meaning of um finding your ukulele moment and using that to like uh, instill your hope for when we get out of this. Yeah, yeah, yes. And well, I mean, I mean, you've got this, right? You, 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 you've, got, you've got this podcast and, and this, this is brilliant, you know, you go, I mean, yep. <laughs> and, and, and this is important, you know, it's funny, I'm going to say to you what I said to Matt, which is preserve this stuff because People are going to want to know about this one day. What you know? What did you doing do during the Great Plague, Mom? You know, <laughs> or Grandma, or Great Grandma, right? And uh, I was saying to Matt, you know, the fact that you've been working with Rob and Sarah almost since day one on the show must go online, to put the Shakespeare canon online. That's going to be someone's going to do a doctorate on that one of these days might even be you right someone's going to be someone's going to want to know about okay what were actors doing during this hey here's this wonderful you know here's this wonderful set of recordings that you know that the chichi's done where she where she talked to actors in canada and asked them what are you doing what's it like tell me about your career before what do you hope to accomplish after this is this is valuable stuff um and and we hope will inspire people yet to come yeah like oh thank you thank you for the kind words and yes um yeah that's kind of like the the, the hope with that um not just like beyond uh, the pandemic but like in general um I, I hope that emerging artists and as well as established artists that they are able to look at northern roots canada and be like okay you know canada yeah canada has talents you know i can um i can be a canadian and be successful in whatever field that i choose to do so that's yeah. the goal <laughs> Yes, yes, well, and we can. We're, we're, we're well equipped in this country. Yes, we are. Uh, yes, so, oh my gosh, thank you for, thank you for taking the time to chat with me. Um, I, I, yeah, ab absolutely. Absolutely. And um, before we, uh, before I close out, uh, is there anything you would like to, uh, like, plug? Like, is there any, like, where can the listeners find you online? Well, um, the, uh, every year for the last, version of Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol, modeled on the performances Dickens used to give himself uh, in the 1860s. And that is Dickens Performer, all one word, DickensPerformer.com. 
Um, I don't have my current, I don't have this year's dates up yet. Um, it actually looks like we'll be doing some performances in Ottawa, probably in Toronto, uh, again at the Red Sand Castle. Hopefully. Um, yeah, exactly. And uh, there'll be some performances in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. At the moment, that's all I've got. Um, but, uh, you know, those dates will be up there around about Halloween or so. So that's that. That's that's where you can find me. Dick, Dickensperformer.com and my my contact info. If, if if you want to bring me into your home and have me do Christmas Carol in your living room for a select group of social distance friends, I I can do that. And that and that's you can find me there. I love it. Awesome. Uh, okay. Thank you again, John. John D. Huston. And uh, hopefully, I, I hope they'll be uh, are able to do another TSMGO production together because. I I had a blast and um yeah I need I just need more Canadians in my life more Canadian artists in my life so uh yes thank you very much A major thank you to John T Houston for making the time to chat with me today Learn more about John the show must go online and more in the show notes Thanks for listening. And until next time, remember, stay hungry, humble, and rooted to your dreams. I'm Chichi Anua, signing off. Cheers. Cheers.